Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. I'm Jeremy Kubacek, and as always, I'm with Steve Cockrum. What's up, my friend? How are you? I am very well. The summer has arrived in England. We've got 14 degrees today, which in your money is about mid-50s. But, of course, everyone's stripping off ready to get a sunburn with a UV factor of one. But, um, yeah, no, we're, <laughs> next week is going to be 60s for the first time this year. So um, everything's coming out of the deep freeze. Everything's open. And um, COVID is gone. I, like, I went into London last night and... No one was wearing a mask anywhere. The, the underground was absolutely rammed with young people. And it was almost like everyone's just gone, we're done. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun time over here with the, the summer on its way, or spring at least. Yeah, yeah, well, two years of that, right? It's like good riddance. Let's move on. We had our <laughs> first uh, thunderstorm last night, and it was like, all right. Yeah, I live in Oklahoma. I've, you know, <laughs> there's powerful <laughs> storms, and and uh, but it it's still wonky right now. It's like seventy degrees one day and forty degrees the next day, and it goes back and forth. But um, all good. Hey, so you're coming across the pond, Steve? Right? I am. I am. I'm. I'm not only coming across the pond. I'm actually going to see you. So for the first time in two years, I think Cancun was the last time we were all together which would be March like 2020, we are going to be together for a date in San Antonio next week, aren't we? I'm going to Houston first and San Antonio for a giant summit for San Antonio. Yeah, super excited. I mean, honestly, you know, just how much it changed our lives, everyone's life, right? And Mm -hmm. how you do work, how you do life, travel, um, you know, what, what that looks like. And I started traveling again heavily, and uh, just for for uh, this season, I have like before I see you or after I see you, I think I have like five cities that I'm traveling to as well. So it's been a lot of uh, interesting times, to say the least. I know every one of you listening, you feel the same way. And mm-hmm. there is some desire to get to some level of normalcy, but it's actually it is that new normal. Everyone was talking about a new normal. Remember, like mm-hmm. in the very beginning. How many months yeah. is it going to take to get to the new normal? And no one would have thought 24, <laughs> <laughs> but that that is it. So, um, well, we've got a uh, good, amazing guest uh, yeah. with us. I'm super excited about today. But before we do, let's let's talk about like the world, right? I mean, there's been a few situations that have been happening and continue to happen. I read this uh, Facebook post. It was so funny. He says, um, it said, my new morning routine. I wake up, check on Zelensky, and get my coffee. And that's (laughs) so appropriate. It's like, did he make it? Okay, he's good. All right. And uh, isn't that crazy? He he can't really lose now. If the Russians do take him out, he'll go down as one of the great martyr leaders. And um, apparently there have been 300 attempts to assassinate him, and they still haven't got him. So, um, although I thought it was was pretty brave of the – was it the Polish, Czech, and Hungarian prime ministers who told the Russians they were going on a train to meet with Zelensky 
in Kiev for a meeting. I'm like, wow, how tempting must it have been in the Kremlin to put a cruise missile through the train that they knew oh, they were yes. off? I'm like, you know, I don't. I think, I think after the last guest we had, which was just sensational, wasn't it, with the CIA spy and all that sort of stuff? I, I think I've concluded there is no way of predicting what Putin will do. And that actually right. he was just as capable of doing that, which makes him pretty dangerous by all accounts. So, yeah. Well, uh, what's really interesting from my perspective, the world is, is literally the unification of autocracy mm. in like, okay, Turkey and the United States are talking again. And mm. all these countries are talking again because of it. And mm. I read an article today that, Turkey is considering giving their Russian military system that they bought from Russia to Ukraine. To <laughs> Can you imagine if if mm. they give the Ukrainians the Russian uh, anti-aircraft system that blows down <laughs> Russian airplanes? So I mean, that shows how uh, you oh. know, derelict uh, Putin is to the world and the pariah where, I mean, he, he will go down as one of the worst worst leaders ever mm. because of this at this point in time. So I think he's I think he's scrambling for a different way out in my opinion uh because his soldiers aren't wanting to fight for him. And that can turn really fast. Yeah. Yeah, he's I mean China uh, always a, an interesting variable in the equation watching how they're currently positioning themselves in relation to Russia and the West. Because they don't really want uh, the West to be reunited and powerful again. And I think that economic is, is, if you think of all the different types of weapons that are out there, the place I think Putin most miscalculated was just how quickly the West could weaponize the financial system as a way of, you know, it might take a month or two. But you see that the um, the central banker for, you know, the head of the equivalent of the Federal Reserve is basically resigning. Um, and she is one of the most respected central banks in the world. And she just said, you have basically turned the, um, I forgot the word she used, but it's almost like weaponization of the dollar. Yeah. And she, and she basically said, you've turned the Russian economy into basically the mire. There is no way out of this. So it, it's kind of, it's profound, but it's also quite frightening of thinking, I suspect China are looking at it and going, oh, absolutely. So we might have to be a little careful. Because though the West is more heavily dependent on our manufacturing than than Europe and America currently are on the oil and gas of Russia, it does seem to suggest that actually, if we unite and function together, there may be more we can achieve in the future than what's there. But um, you know, certainly economics. They always say that politics is now moving faster than it's ever done. But kind of this will be a case study for economics students, I imagine, for for years ahead. What happens when you? basically weaponize the monetary system unified weaponization of the dollar it's unbelievable and um you know the other thing i would tell you is the leadership lesson for me if i look at at um putin and go okay mm. what's the leadership lesson here it's paranoia <laughs> paranoia yeah. and the uh, it, it, the age-old fact that when you have yes men when you use domination mm. and fear and manipulation it only produces yes men around you because they're afraid of their life and if it's yeah. all graft, if you're just cronyism, giving them money, then that's and money's the only thing that's keeping them loyal. Yeah. I mean, seriously, how uh, how tenuous yeah. would would it be to be Putin to go? Oh, you totally miscalculated. You miscalculated <laughs> the world. 
miscalculated NATO, yeah. miscalculated Zelensky, Ukraine, your own people's reaction, and well, your own you, troops. You, you, you imagine what would have happened, Jez, if he'd sat around the table with all the five foundational voices represented and listen to the three key questions that each voice asks. So we that's in the new toolkit. That's just a little teaser yeah. campaign for April. But fundamentally, if he'd asked a nurturer, do you think this is a good idea? Or a guardian? Or anybody other than people who just went, whatever you say, Mr. Putin, he would have got a completely different response. So now he's firing generals, he's firing the FSB because he's blaming the intelligence service. But fundamentally, as a leader, even though none of us are like Putin, the real question is, do we hear the truth from our team, even if we don't like it? And do we create, I guess, that psychological safety? There's certainly no psychological safety in Moscow, because in the end, you have to, as a leader, create the context where you hear all the voices and you don't basically shoot them when you don't like what they say. I mean, you've always been kind to me. I'm a, obviously a pioneer connector, so I carry a, a grenade launcher with a healthy dose of you know, cyber warfare loaded in. But actually, <laughs> actually, the idea of going, how, if, the, the more strong your weapon system, the more important it is you learn not to critique and challenge what's said, but to listen. So in a sense, Putin has done none of those things. It's a great, it's a really good leadership lesson, but it's also quite profound for all of us because we may not be Putin, but I guarantee there are many people listening, and myself included, in the past. Do I really hear the wisdom of all the people around me before I make decisions? So, yeah. And his leadership culture is mm. he's got a fifth of his generals are gone, dead. Uh, yeah. Another uh, another fifth are he's isolated. He doesn't. So he's he's got his subculture leaders. He's losing his subculture unbelievably mm. quickly. And so mm. when it's all autocratic and dominated from the top, it won't get, so it's not going to work. It's leading to abdication, the historic Russian rule with an iron fist, and you mm. actually get apathy from your people. So anyway, yeah. it's going to be fascinating to see it play out. This is only three weeks of a war. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. what's happened in three weeks. I, I hope we might actually see the breakup of Russia. There's the, the tribes inside Russia that have been locked inside that for years. A lot of them are, are done through fear. So maybe something good's going to come of this. But hey, fascinating to chat as always. And I think the key thing is, if if you're listening, always ask the question: What's the leadership lesson for me? Because you may go, I'm not Putin, or I'm not, you know, um, any of the other leaders in the world at the moment. But ask the question: Is what can we learn from them? Because we can learn from Zelensky at the moment. We can probably learn from Mr. Biden at the moment. Um, all those leaders are modeling something. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that might just get a little bit of a rise from my record. I'm not going to say what we're going to learn from Mr. Biden because that would be inappropriate. But uh, it's probably time to bring in Tracy before we uh, exercise non-discretion and discipline. So come on, Tracy. <laughs> have you got any questions for us this morning? Or do you have an opinion on Mr. I'm Biden's I'm not going to give any lesson? opinions, but I do have a, a great <laughs> leadership question coming in from Jacob from Texas. He says... How do you get buy-in with employees when it comes to new ideas and direction? I feel like people are skeptical and resistant when I bring up something new. Yeah, so uh, I'll jump in uh, just to say, um, you know, Jacob, I think the first thing is knowing yourself, right? We talk about this all the time. It's knowing your own voice. 
What's it like to be on the other side of yourself? What are your own tendencies? And every single personality has a different way of garnering influence or um, you know, getting people on board. Uh, the most difficult are those who maybe are a little bit more cryptic or in their mind. So the creative has the harder time sometimes of getting their ideas into the water stream of the organization. And so what you have to do sometimes is you have to partner with someone. And is there another person, an ally on your team that actually gets you? You could actually pre-discuss with and maybe together you could collaborate and the two of you going together with their voice and your voice, maybe for a creative, it's a connector, or maybe it's someone who's close to you who gets you. And as you create the idea, they pile on with like, yeah, and even more, what he's saying is dot, dot, dot. So you have a translator um, with you that can help you actually get those things at place. Sometimes if you're the leader and you have all these ideas, your title and your influence and your power of your voice can overpower those that you work with or work for you. And sometimes they may say yes to you when they really don't know what you're talking about. And later they go, do you, do you understand what he said? And I don't. And that becomes an issue with a lot of people. So finding, understanding your voice, finding an ally and who can help translate, translate and collaborate with you is probably the, the advice I'd give. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd I'd agree. I think one of my things, Jacob, was when anyone says, tells me I'm struggling to get buy-in for my ideas and vision, you may have already revealed something of the challenge, which is when someone tells me they're trying to get buy-in, it sounds to me like they've already decided the direction of travel. And in a sense, you may actually have to go back a step and ask before you go, I'm going to get buy-in for my ideas and strategy to really go back to that collaboration where maybe you share what you're thinking, but you genuinely invite others and other voices, as Jeremy say, to help shape the outcome. Because it's much easier for people to buy into something that they feel they've had influence over shaping. They never mind the leader making a final decision, because that's what leadership does. But even if I didn't agree with the final decision, if I feel I've been included in that discernment process and shaping process, I will buy in if the whole team agrees with it. So, you know, when, when you're trying to persuade people of something, there's usually something gone wrong, and it's really hard to force things through. And it is particularly difficult when people don't feel they were ever given a chance to voice their opinion or shape it. So probably it's it's go back a step before you go forward a step. And as Jeremy said, think through how you can actually have allies who actually potentially do the communication with you and for you because in the end, um, certain characters, which Jeremy and I would be good examples, um, people always think that we're trying to sell them something. It's amazing what happens when if you have a guardian or nurturer in your world where once they believe in it, they're really great advocates to present it with you. So there we go. That's my hopefully the combined wisdom of uh, ages of JK and I. A, that would be a, a hundred and see, you're 70. So that'll be a hundred and twenty. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> my attempt it's a british humor okay so let's do this let's bring on our our guests mm. you know it, at giant on the giant leadership podcast we have the privilege of bringing on guests that we get to celebrate they're the real heroes in the world where we get mm. to actually they're liberators they're freedom fighters and we get to bring them to the world so people can see people like this and go yes you can be someone worth following so Andrew Dahl, welcome to the Giant whoop, Leadership whoop, whoop. Podcast. What's up, my friend? Yeah. How are Gentlemen. you? Gentlemen, hey, how are you? Great to be on. Thanks for having me. 
<laughs> Friends, this is Andrew Dahl. Andrew Dahl is the CEO of uh, Dahl uh, Automotive in La Crosse, Wisconsin. They have dealerships and over 100 years. How many years, Andrew, total? So uh, 111 years. 111 years, and you're 112, so <laughs> that's amazing that you're the founder. Now, 111 years family business, yeah. can you imagine? Mm -hmm. And uh, what is amazing about Andrew, and he is married to Jamie. He's got two amazing uh, daughters. His brothers work in the business with him, and they, as a family, and he as a leader, has basically committed to a different type of leadership, a humility-based leadership inside the car dealer process, which is so unique. And uh, Steve and I have had the privilege of being in lacrosse a number of times, um, dozens of times for me, probably of the past, what, mm -hmm. 10 years or so. And lacrosse, Wisconsin is a jewel. It is a beautiful city. It's like Americana. If you want to know America, like it's an American city on the Mississippi River in one of the most beautiful areas of the United States. So, um, Andrew, glad to have you here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a few questions for you. Are you ready awesome. for this? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so let's start with this first one. The first one is that since I've known you from the very beginning, your intent has been to fight for the highest possible good of people, to like unlock them and to liberate people in the car dealership. Like, why? <laughs> what? It, uh, why have you been doing that? What's the motive? What's the rationale behind that for you personally? Well, I think uh, I would start, I guess, just I've seen it work in my own life um, in terms of locking my own leadership ability. Um, and that's come through a greater self-awareness, my own tendencies. And um, and I'm also just a guy that's driven to win. Uh, I love to win for people. I love the business to win. Because uh, when we're winning as a business, our team's winning, their families are winning. And uh, and so, you know, I just I start with myself personally um, and early in my career. I mean, we're a fifth generation car dealer and, uh, you know, family businesses don't typically make it past the second generation. And so our family has been really fortunate um, to get into the um, fifth generation. And so my brothers and I have been really intentional on that. Uh, we've had some things in past generations where it hadn't worked out so well. And so we've learned from that. Um, but as I came into the uh, business uh, as the fifth generation, uh, you know, I came in with a certain level of entitlement of like, OK, you know, my turn. And through a series of events early in my career, once I got into the business, um, you know, I got I got humbled myself and to a point where. I just woke up and realized like, hey, it isn't about me. It is about our team, our 350 team members, their families. And I have this awesome opportunity and blessing to be able to serve them, to help them accomplish what they want to do in their life. Um, but it had to start with me first. And I was so fortunate to have that experience. And so then I've just been on this journey is like, hey, how do we unlock that potential in our team? Um, and help you know hold up the mirror um, to negative tendencies that are holding them back uh, on their leadership journey. How do we help them break through that wall of self-preservation? Um, and ultimately that gains the influence they need uh, to be able to move our business forward. So it's been just an awesome journey. That's so cool, Andrew. I mean, 
we we've you realize lacrosse wisconsin was the first trip i ever came on with jeremy mm. coming out of my previous world wondering whether my jedi mind tricks would work in the commercial world and um i remember coming out of it going like wow that was amazing it it, it kind of all happened so not only that i remember eating a copious amount of cheese curds <laughs> which i've never found anywhere else in the world <laughs> which are like fried cheese balls are just like the bomb but i'm not necessarily <laughs> sure my cholesterol really works so how you stay so thin i don't know so that's my that's my question to you in 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 terms of i mean i love what you just shared and this idea that that i guess the question is for people if you want to be that leader worth following that you just talked about what what are some of the things that you do have done continue to do to keep yourself healthy and keep working on you mm -hmm. what are some of the things that that have been helpful for you andrew that might be helpful for others well i've really tried i mean our our business has has grown tremendously i mean uh, i've been in the business for 20 years now and since i joined the business um, you know we've grown 4x um, we've got a strategic plan to grow another four times in the next 10 years and um and we've been fortunate but with some of that success that we've worked so hard at our, our team um i one of the things i really try to stay focused on is just stay humble um, it's not easy to do, especially in our business, the car business in particular. Uh, and one of the ways that I do that is I just stay grounded in my faith. Uh, you know, my mornings, every single morning, I'm in 20 minutes of prayer time and reading the, reading the Bible. And um, that's been really helpful for me to stay grounded. Um, also, my wife and I, uh, we have a prayer time every single morning at 620 before our girls get up. Uh, it's 10 minutes, we pray out loud, and that helps us connect and stay grounded. We kind of pray through the things of the day and the week. And um, so that's been really helpful um, for me to stay grounded. Um, but then also just, I, I really try to stay focused on how do I bring the best of myself to the team and to the organization each and every day. And, um, you know, having a, a good diet, a plant-based diet. I am, uh, I love to uh, exercise. Uh, exercise is really important for me. It's been an important outlet for me to stay balanced. Um, and I try to exercise as much as I can outdoors. Uh, for me, uh, connecting to nature and just um, being outside is, has been really helpful for me um, just to, so I can bring my best every day. And so in the summertime, you'll see me cycling, um, mountain biking and road biking outside. And in the wintertime, I love to cross country ski. So for me, that's been kind of helpful for me to, um, you know, stay health, healthy, best of me, uh, each and every day. And that winning part of you, you also are a cross country ski racer, right? So that's another thing. Yes. That, I finished that's, my uh, uh, 11th American Birkebinder last month in Northern Wisconsin. This is a crazy marathon ski race. Uh, so 50 kilometers, uh, took me over three hours. And, uh, so that's one of those things on the calendar, um, that I trained for that's been, that's been fun and a fun tradition and, in our family. And that's what you, you wanted Steve and I to join you on that. Can you imagine, Steve? Uh, you and I trying to yeah, cross country ski. I oh think my, my skidoo would take. I think my skidoo would work a treat on that. <laughs> I'm not sure I could. I'm not sure I could cycle 50 kilometers in three hours. That's like wow. Uh, I mean, that's hardcore, Andrew. I mean, I, so I think I think in terms of they. Let me just one reflection. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of what we'd often say is that when we ask the best leaders, how do you stay consistent and healthy long term? They almost always have a first gear and a second gear strategy. Right. 
So in the sense of you have a first gear mm -hmm. where you recharge, you recreate mm -hmm. through exercise, through reading reflection. But it's interesting to me, you also have a second gear. So the fact you pray every morning with Jamie, and it's like the fact that I'm sure there are times in the week that are earmarked for you and the family where work is not in that. Right. It's really interesting how, how actually that intentional consistency of having a first gear, second gear strategy is almost a common denominator for anybody who we look at who does the work in fourth and fifth who's actually able to sustain it and maintain long-term that health that consistency that well-being so uh, just salute you andrew it's very impressive as a p perceiver to be that disciplined <laughs> i'm just jealous that's all and jeremy would love to be in that race with you next year and i'm i'm prepared to lay odds on the fact that even with a, even with a, a kind of a 10 kilometer head start i'm still backing you right i think we could i think we could offer that there. as a live a live feed for that that would just live be so stream. fun with a with a webcam maybe in andrew's helmet as he watches jeremy appear i, I think i think we could sell tickets oh, for that so let's gosh. get it done well the cutoff you've got to finish the race in at least eight hours so that's the cutoff <laughs> so if you don't, I'm out. I'm if you don't out. finish half the race in four hours then they kind of pull you so. <laughs> <laughs> come on jess what else have we got for andrew Okay, so let's do let's look at uh Andrew 300 and just had 50 employees right yes. now. Yes, yep, 300. Right? Yep. All right. How many people who lead people do you uh, have? How many team leaders? Yes, we have about do you 50. Have? 50 team leaders. Yep. So, and you know this, so this is for everyone else listening that in our world we use team leader as a sherpa and the sherpa analogy that a sherpa is someone who performs, they climb and help climbers. Uh, most leadership is really climbership. People talking about performance. How good are you at being a performer? But if you could be a really good performer and a really bad leader of other people. So with Andrew, I know your intent. And so the last question here is, uh, what are you doing to help your Sherpa? What are you doing to help them become leaders worth following in their ranks? So what, what have you seen that's been really helpful? Yeah, well, we've been, you know, super intentional, certainly, um, you know, the partnership with you guys has been a big part of that, just from the standpoint of creating some common language um, that uh, and using your simple tools, uh, you know, our business, just like everybody's business is is busy and crazy. And, you know, we're, we, uh, we have five different departments, we're serving our guests each and every day, um, you think about service and sales and parts and detail and, um and uh and so we've got a lot happening and so how do we be intentional by using the simple tools that we have available um to really get our team leads uh, the lessons that they need where they're at in each and every day and uh and so um, we have daily huddles with our team um, that's been really helpful um, which all of our team leads lead and uh, in that, in those daily huddles, we go through one of our dull culture topics, um, and which could be a, a giant tool is one of them. Um, so that's been a very consistent thing to help us drive um, our humility-based leadership culture down through the organization. Um, and then, you know, I, I have weekly meetings with my senior team, um, and we're always talking about leadership in those times. We have quarterly meetings uh, where we have guest speakers in to give some uh, additional uh, insight. Um, but really, the, the, the tough work happens when we have an opportunity with a leader, 
we see that negative tendency on the other side of them that they are not seeing and we bring the challenge and for me i'm more of a protector if you think about the support challenge matrix i kind of tend to be on the protector and so bringing some of that challenge can be difficult for me but as i've matured in my leadership um, and in my role um, as the leader of the organization i've really helped bring more challenge and man have i seen the fruit now a, a lot of people a lot of some leaders don't receive it um, as well um, but for the ones that have that will truly uh, look inward and listen and um, and then reflect on it and make and, and basically acknowledge the reality. And when we see that breakthrough, because those tendencies change, for me, there is nothing better. Like in my role, when I see transformation happen in that individual leader's life, whether it's a direct conversation with me or a small group, and we see that aha and that breakthrough, Oh man, and I've got I've got like five different leaders in my head right now that has happened over the last you know few couple of years that has been just transformational and um, and when and they yeah, go ahead and they and they take it home and that's the the beautiful part yes. is it actually when it starts going home it actually becomes even stronger at work haven't you seen that yeah absolutely i remember uh, a spouse one of our team leads that's now one of our senior leaders uh, uh early in his career with us and uh she grabbed me at the christmas party annual christmas party and she's like andrew i don't know what you've done to my husband but um he has just become he's just come alive at home he's just become a different dad a different husband um and you know those are the types of things that um, really, I mean, this is really what it's all about. I mean, we're in the car business, but at the end of the day, we're in the people business and the transformation that happens with our team, um, each and every day is what just drives me. Um, and it will keep me going for a long time in the future. So good, man. Amazing. Andrew, thank you, my friend. Thanks for being a leader worth following. Thanks for continuing to go for it. You know, the, the reality is it's hard. Mm -hmm. You just said it to be in the people business. It's hard because it's easier to live accidentally. It's just the ramifications are bad. Yeah. <laughs> the back end is the legacy is bad. It's hard to be intentional. But when you are, it's so much more fulfilling and it's so much better for everyone involved. Right. So absolutely. Um, thanks for doing it. any last thoughts before you head out. No, I just appreciate our partnership with you guys. And, uh, you know, it's been uh, it's been a long, great ride. And, um, you know, we just appreciate your your vision and what you're doing just to sow into so many leaders across the country and the world. And uh, you guys are making a big impact. And I know you make an impact on Doll Automotive. So appreciate appreciate you guys. Appreciate our friendship. Thanks, Andrew. See you in a couple of months, Andrew. Thanks, brother. Awesome. Isn't it encouraging to hear? Well, I mean, what we what didn't hear before we came on air, obviously we do copious amounts of practice before we start, and Andrew produced a document from 10 years ago when he came, I think, on the first leadership course that we ran in, in North America when we were still living together at Heads of Priory, wasn't it? And I think that was the, you know, that was the thing for me, Jez. I just go, this is 10 years, and Andrew is still using the tools that we gave, and he's now taken them and look at what he's been able to lead with. And my my final thought is, I don't know about you, but every now and again, I get people going, well, look, we did this last year, and we did, 
you know, we did MBTI the year before and we did this and the other. And it's like, I'm going, let's stop, stop. I don't mind whether you use Giant or not. Obviously, I think we're the best at what we do because we built a toolkit for the digital world, not the late industrial world. But you are much better off as a leader choosing the vocabulary and language you're going to commit to using and make it so embedded in the culture, everyone uses the same toolkit to do what they do. So for those of you, my thought, for those of you who are always tempted to think, what's the new thing that's going to somehow make everything better? The reality is it's often the consistent, disciplined use of the same resources, the same processes, and the same intentionality over time that actually delivers an incredible step change of performance like it has for Andrew. I'd be love I'd love to see some data of how effective things are when you change the vocabulary and language on a yearly or two yearly basis because you feel there must be something else that's going to get us there. So there's my there's my pioneer thought for the day after because I'd just been with somebody this week who's like going, Yeah, we're we're doing strength finder. I'm like, great. How's that going? They're like, it's great. But then they did voices and went, oh, my goodness, this is just a communication system for performance. Not that I don't love Strength Finder, obviously, being a maximizer and an optimizer. I love those things. What's your final thought, Jeremy? <laughs> my, my final thought is what Andrew talked about with, you know, we talked about his team leaders. And um, the, like you were saying, the consistency with people, you know, he, using the same system, the same uh, uh, tools, the tools become mirrors but he's actually been driving it down. So we have to have champions. We can't do it for them. Andrew has to do it. And he believes in it. And when he believes in it, then he gets his team leaders. And when they believe and they start seeing transformation and they start becoming intentional and consistent down through the ranks. And I have been saying this forever and ever. Um, the magic number is how many team leaders do you have? As your team leaders go, so goes your organization. If they're not healthy, if your Sherpa aren't healthy, no one's getting up the mountain. That's just the reality. So you have to have healthy Sherpas. You can't have Sherpas, you know, smoking five packs a day on Mount Everest. <laughs> no one wants to follow them. So how do you get to the point where you actually get your team le uh, leaders as healthy as you are? So that means you have to define the culture first. So, um, yeah, hopefully you're, you're listening. Hopefully this is encouraging. We do like to talk about geopolitics and world leadership, but we also spend our time working on uh, with, with amazing leaders from around the globe who are implementing uh, liberation systems, systems to transform people, systems to grow people. And as Andrew said, it is the people business because you can have a great business model and you can have a, a financial model, but if you don't have a people model, none of it works. So uh, that's my last thought. Um, until next time. We will see you then. Thanks for listening. And hey, why don't you pass it on to someone? Uh, if you want, if you wanted to uh, send them to check out Giant, go to giantworldwide.com and just mention the Giant Leadership Podcast. Uh, help spread spread the love. We'd appreciate it. Thanks so much. See you next time. Bye bye.
If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubitschek.com to learn more.